Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. There's uh, perhaps not too much greater joy than what happens when someone calls you and says, I'm getting married. When you hear that joy that comes through, when you know, oh yeah, they've been in a relationship, they love each other, and they say, I'm getting married. And they say, I want you to go and and, and be at that wedding. Uh, That is a wonderful invitation that they would think so much. They want you to join in the joy of it. And uh, and receiving a phone call like that always gets me excited. Knowing that I've seen the relationship blossom, whether it was in person or if it's long distance over Facebook, whatever, knowing that they are in a wonderful, wonderful relationship and have invited me. I love that. What comes afterwards is is the official invitation, the one they mail out, the one with the stamp. And it's always good to get mail uh, when it has a stamp on it, because then you know it's not junk mail, right? And it's just one of those one of those wonderful opportunities, and you open that up, and you see the f- official invitation, you're like, yes, this is awesome. They're moving forward with it. I look forward to this. I've already got it in my calendar, because they called and asked. This is wonderful. And then... Um, what happened is, uh, like, uh, I remember on one particular wedding, they, they'd called me, told me they were getting married, and uh, the invitation came, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, this is great, show Jen, look, they're getting married, here's the day, we put it up on our fridge, we're, we're remembering this. Uh, another one came by, like a, like a month later, like another invitation, I thought, well, that's funny, and I said something like, hey, if, if you haven't responded yet, please let us know so we can prepare appropriately. I said, oh, well, that's, that, that's funny, well, okay, I guess they just, you know, had to send those out. And then a few weeks before the wedding, I get a phone call. Tim, you didn't respond. <laughs> well, are you coming or not? I said, what do you mean am I coming? I told you, uh, yes, I'll officiate. <laughs> I'm going to be there. They said, but you haven't responded to anything. And we have uh, the reception afterwards, and we want to know, are you going to be there? And I was like, of course. Oh, yes, yes, I'll be there. I had a special role to play. I was specifically invited on the phone. I thought there was no doubt that I was going to be there and I was going to participate. I was ready to take part in it. But they were like, no, no, you don't understand. We have other preparations we need to do. We needed you to actually respond to the mailing. We need you to respond to the invitation. They had to buy food. They had to get everything in order. I didn't realize what all they were putting into it, but they wanted to know. So they had to call me again and say, tell us every, all those details because you didn't respond. If I didn't say anything, I would have found myself perhaps eating alone at the reception or eating at the kids' table, <laughs> or worse, kicked out because there was no longer space for me. They had to arrange all of that. And this is all because I didn't take the time to respond. And it's easy to think that those who have a role to play are somehow exempt from the usual rules, that there might be expe- exceptions for those with special duties, and this is the situation in Matthew chapter 22 where Jesus again is speaking to the leaders who have found themselves uh, talking with Jesus and being talked about in another one of his parables. So we are back to Matthew chapter 22. 
I'll start at uh, verse 1. Jesus had, last week, we just did one parable where he is very, where he's, the parable of the, of the tenants, where uh, he is comparing them to those who have rejected the Lord's servants. And here is another parable speaking about them. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, look, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Well, but they made light of it, and they went away. One to his farm, another to his business. And while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets, invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. I'm going to pause there. He sends out the servants twofold, two two messages, not unlike the two invitations I received. Two two messages. Are you coming? The wedding's ready. Uh, The feast is ready. The animals have been slaughtered. They've been cooking. We are ready for this invitation. They 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 are encouraged to join the celebration of a wedding. The celebration of two people joining in love is a beautiful thing, a wonderful picture. It it, it always lightens any day. It always brings back great memories of of your own weddings. It always brings back great, uh, great times of just sharing the joy of life lived well together. And in this case, Jesus telling a parable, the parable functions as a way for him to talk about the Father to talk about our God, to say that in this case, this wedding is between Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, and God's people whom He has created. That God is is hoping that there will be a joining of His creation with God's purposes, that it will be like a wedding. The feast is prepared, the sacrifice has been made. All you need to do is come and celebrate, take part in this joyous occasion. Yet the guests in this parable treated the servants in the same way the manager of the vineyard treated the servants of the master. That story that we talked about last week. So now that those servants have been hurt and they've been abused and they have been kicked out, now now the servants are sent out a second time to invite anybody at all who will come and celebrate. Anyone gets to be a part of of this celebration, because those whom God had initially invited have turned him away. And I I want to read that again, starting at verse 8. He said to his slaves, the wedding's ready, but those invited were not ready. Go, therefore, into the main streets, invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. They went out to the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with them. Isn't that interesting? They go out and he says, even the good and the bad are invited. The good and the bad get to enjoy the feast that God has laid out for them. That's interesting. The good and the bad. Now, oftentimes when we think of the good and the bad, uh, if we have uh, uh, an overinflated sense of self, we have a pretty good idea of who's good. Well, I am. 
<laughs> and we have a pretty good idea who's bad, and that is everyone else who's making mistakes. Because when we make the mistakes, of course, we have a good reason for it, right? We understand our own situation. Uh, but everyone else, we're like, no, no, like, why don't you get your stuff together? Like, we got, we got, we got things to do. And so uh, this is, um, uh, the, but for God, he knows each and every one of us. And so he knows all of our situations. We all get to come in. Even that person you might look at sideways and go, wait, that one too? God says, yes, invite that one as well. But if we are a person who, who sometimes has a, a deflated sense of self, to hear the invitation that the good and the bad are invited can be good news because sometimes what we do is we say to ourselves, man, I've messed up way too many times. Oh, I don't, I don't deserve to be a part of that. And we compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves and do this little game where, man, they, they've really got their act together. They, they're doing great. Man, I wish I could be as forward-thinking, as planned out, as, as productive, as whatever, as that person. And we can have a very sense of, man, I'm not worthy. Someone else has to be. So in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter, uh, verse, verse 10 there, he says, the good and the bad are welcomed. That in God's plan of grace for the world, it is offered truly to everybody. Salvation is offered to all. In fact, the way Paul will say it in one of his letters, he'll say, God showed his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oftentimes I've heard that very argument. I can't go to church. I still have to straighten out my life. God couldn't love someone like me, but the offer of salvation, the offer to join into what God's plan is, to join God's creation with, with who He is, to redeem them, to pour out His Holy Spirit upon them, to save them, is indeed offered for the good and the bad. There is no discrimination with this invitation. It is good news for those who feel worthless, for those who've come to think that they have to be perfect before they can become a Christian or before they can come to church. And, of course, it is a word of caution for Christians who think more highly of themselves than they ought to because God's grace is open for everyone. God has loved us before we were made holy. He loved us while we were still sinners, while we were lumped with the bad. We did nothing our own to deserve it, as Paul would say in a letter to the Ephesians. It is by grace you've been saved, through faith. This isn't from yourself, it's a gift of God. And so we see the invitation God has for salvation, for joining in the plan that God has for His creation, is really for everyone. And so we find ourselves asking, is God's grace really this kind of haphazard? Does He really allow everyone, good and bad, uh, to be a part of this? Is this what the kingdom of heaven is like? And so continue on in chapter 22, verse 11 through 14, it says this. When the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, well, how'd you get in here without a wedding robe? And uh, he was speechless. And then the king said to the attendants, uh, bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, when Jen and I got married, we, um, 
uh, we got married in the college church. The college church was the large church that was associated with Olivet Nazarene University. And, uh, and that college church had a lot going on. It was a good-sized church, had a lot of different events going on for the community, for the people in the church, but also for all of the college students. Uh, they were serving the college students, so they were always had events and things going. And so things were always going on in the building. Things were busy. And one of the things that happens among college students is they tend to get married uh, uh, by the time they graduate. And so there's lots of requests to use the building for weddings. And, and with all everything else going on, it got to be too much for the staff. So they would require anyone who wanted to use the church for a wedding would have to hire one of their wedding coordinators, someone in the church who loved weddings and uh, knew where everything was in the church, knew how to set things up, could coordinate with the people uh, on the calendars and all those kinds of things. And so we had to hire a wedding coordinator. And so we did that. And she asked us more detailed questions about the wedding that we even knew we should be asking. And so she just helped set everything up. But I remember when uh, uh, we set up uh, finally for the practice the day before the wedding, and my family came in. I had asked my grandfather if he would be the pas- uh, if he would be the pastor for uh, to officiate that wedding. And now my grandfather, who is uh, ninety years old now, just went and saw him last spring for his ninetieth birthday. Yeah, he had come, so now he's in his sixties at the time that we're doing this wedding. He's in the upper sixties, and he comes, and he is from rural Indiana. Now, now when you try to get a picture of this. I want you to hear every syllable. He's from rural Indiana. <laughs> uh, that, uh, whatever you're picturing, absolutely. So he comes with his nice big gray beard, nice flowing hair, hair of gray hair. I get my hair from my mom's side. And so, <laughs> and so he comes and, uh, and he uh, comes with, uh, for this rehearsal, he comes wearing bib overalls. And so he just thought this is going to be hilarious for this rehearsal. So we come and our wedding coordinator looks at this guy. He's like, wait, that's the preacher? That's the pastor for the wedding? Yeah, that's my grandfather. That's him. And I'm laughing because I know he's just getting a rise out of whoever he can coming to the rehearsal dress. Like Jen loved it. We're all laughing. The wedding coordinator looks like she's about to pull out her hair. And so we're talking over. We do the whole rehearsal. And then, then she says, okay, well, we'll be back here tomorrow. You might want to be here by this time. And uh, my grandfather says, yep, um, I'll be driving back from home uh, early in the morning. She's like, wait, what? You're going back to Indiana? This was a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah, i got to go back. What do you mean you have to go back? What if the car breaks down? What if there's traffic? What if something happens? You didn't get a hotel? Why would you drive two-and-a-half hours just to come back? And he says, well, the goats aren't going to milk themselves. <laughs> and so, so it was like just entirely different world. But that was the rehearsal for the wedding, of course. He, he wore uh, clothes to celebrate. He wore... Uh, uh, he wore a suit, and he came for that. Uh, in this story, here's a guy without the wedding clothes. And it looks like, wait, what are you doing? Don't you know there's a wedding happening? Don't you know this is a big deal? Don't you? And this is a slightly different situation, of course, in the Scripture. This isn't the rehearsal. This isn't a casual get-together. This is, in this parable, the celebration of the greatest wedding of all time. It is the eternal consummation of God with his creation. It is the marriage of Christ and his church. It is the celebration of God's eternal plan being shared with and involved with God's creation. And in this culture, you go to a wedding, uh, you don't go undressed for it. 
Just as in Illinois, I guess a preacher isn't supposed to go to uh, officiate in bib overalls. God gives this person, though, the benefit of the doubt. What I love about this passage is, is when the king comes to talk to the guest. doesn't send anyone else. The king goes and inquires himself. And the first word he says is friend. Friend. What's happened? Why aren't you wearing the wedding robe? Friend. Why are you dressed the way that you are? When, when someone messes up, when someone does something bad, we say, uh, oh man, they have, uh, they're not good enough. Uh, they've made poor choices. We say any number of things. Oh, doesn't, doesn't make sense at all. But if our friend, something bad happens to our friend, our friend messes up, we know our friends. We love our friends. We know their stories. We say, we say, oh man, they've had some hardships in life. Oh, they're just going through a rough patch right now. Or today's just a bad day. We say when, our, when, our, when something bad happens with a friend, we say, oh, okay, well, I get this. I understand them. I know them. This is, this, is, this is how they are. This is what they're working with. We give a whole lot more grace to a friend than to someone that we don't know at all. When the king comes to this person, he says, friend, why aren't you wearing wedding clothes? It means I don't know the answer yet, and I want to fill in the blanks. I want to fill in the gaps of my understanding of what you're doing with, with what I assume is a good reason, with all kinds of positivity, with, with understanding that uh, uh, you know, I don't know the full story yet, but it could be anything. Maybe you didn't have money for clothes. Maybe on your way here, a wild animal attacked you, and you had to change and tore it up, and you had to like change it to clothes. Maybe you got blood on it. You can't wear that to a wedding, so you had to change your clothes and whatever you had. There's got to be a reason. Why aren't you dressed for the wedding? And there's silence. There is no reason. There is no good excuse. This one who was invited and called friend. is speechless. I think he's been found out. He wasn't there to celebrate. He had no interest in the wedding. He was just there for the banquet. He was, he was a party crasher. This is the story of a guy who uses what God is doing for his own advantage. It's, it's the person who says, yeah, well, I'll believe in God if it's just you know, one other God I have to believe in just to kind of cover my bases, okay. Or it's the person who's more interested in what they can get out of the church or get out of what God is doing than actually caring about the changes God is making and so on. What kind of advantage can I make out of the church? It is the person who just thinks, you know what, uh, uh, I want to stake my claim on what God can do or what God can't do. And, uh, and I just want to make sure that I'm getting all the good stuff. It's the person who isn't actually interested and God's grace for the world, but just in finding and staking his claim at the seat at the table. And so he says these words, many are called, but few are chosen. This verse, I don't think, is there to scare us. I know uh, we hear that many are called, few are chosen, or many are invited, few are chosen. And uh, we can look at that and say, oh man, am, am I one of those chosen ones? What does that mean? I, but I don't think it's there to make us fear I think it's an encouragement to come to God with wedding clothes on. It's encouraged to say, 
I've been invited into the faith and I want to receive, I want to accept what God is doing. I want to celebrate what God can do in my life. It's an invitation to partake of the bread of life and and eat at his banquet. The verse is is a way of saying that the great many of this world have been invited to God's wedding celebration, but not many of them are going to respond faithfully. Not many, because of that, are going to be allowed to stay. Because no one crashes our Lord's party. Uh, The Lord invites it for everyone, but he says, when you come, you are receiving God's grace. Just open yourself up to receive God's grace, not to take advantage of whatever it is God is doing, and thus to take advantage of God's people. Because at his wedding celebration, there is love and there is grace for whosoever will come. And there isn't room for taking advantage and hurting one another in the family of God. This wedding is the presence of the Lord among his church. It's the promise that he'll be among us as we pray. It's the promise that he'll be among us as we serve our neighbor. This, is, um, this wedding celebration, this banquet, is what, he- what heaven will be like when we share the goodness of God together, when we celebrate together the final destruction of, e- of evil in this world. It's what will happen when we praise God for finally removing the influence of the evil one from our lives. This is the celebration of our Lord and King who has made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And we need only to accept the invitation to have faith in Jesus Christ and His coming again. And when we accept that invitation, when we respond to God's invitation to produce the fruits of faith, to clothe ourselves in righteousness, to say with our own words and actions, We truly believe that God has an interest in this world and has an interest in me. And he's joined himself with his creation so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. The leaders found themselves in a position where they were invited to a wedding, to the joining of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, to the people of God. But they did not celebrate Jesus' time with them. And their treatment of Jerusalem and the temple was like the man without wedding clothes. They would take as many of the benefits as they could without having to acknowledge at all the union between God and the humanity of Jesus Christ. And I suppose it can be easy for a religious leader to think, well, I got everything in order. I don't have to respond to an invitation would have been pretty easy for me to miss out on that celebration that my cousin had. I had been invited two times, yet I had neglected to respond. Nearly left out of the wedding banquet. It wasn't until just a couple weeks before that I finally set things right, and I was chosen to be part of the celebration because I responded. Many were invited, but only a few chosen to celebrate. And those who are chosen are those who respond to the invitation those who respond with the intent of joining in the celebration. That phrase, many are invited but few are chosen, is not a finger-wagging verse. It's not a watch out. It's an arm-opening gesture. The many are invited. Will you choose to receive that grace? When I responded and went to uh, my cousin's wedding, because that wedding was for my cousin, I went to that wedding, and uh, it, was in, it was in Wisconsin, and he's a, he's a baseball nut, and of course, uh, living up and growing up in Milwaukee, that means he's a big Milwaukee Brewers fan. So after the wedding, as we are going into the banquet, he has for the whole wedding party a Brewers jerseys for them, and he gives me one as well. Here you go, Tim, it's a Brewers jersey, blue and gold, 
uh, and white, and it's just, it's just beautiful. It's wonderful. The number on the back is number 19, my favorite baseball player's number, Robin Yount, Hall of, retired Hall of Famer for the Brewers. Just, just wonderful. Love it. But on the top, instead of saying Yount, or instead of being blank, it had my name. It said, well, it said Pastor Tim. My cousin never called me Pastor Tim before in his life. But at that time, it said Pastor Tim. They knew who I was. And, 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 that is, and that's a beautiful picture. We, to be invited to the celebration is because God knows you. And he knows you by name. And he cares about you. No wonder I needed to respond. They wanted to know whether or not they were getting me that jersey. But, uh, but like, like, he knows you. The, the passage we read in Philippians says the names of those that he mentioned that were serving him in the church were written in the book of life. That he knows our name. And then he says, you have been invited and you are a part of the family of God. And so, just as I had to respond to be able to have my name written and to be clothed in the appropriate wedding attire for that celebration, let us prepare for what God is going to do for us and clothe ourselves with faithfulness and clothe ourselves with righteousness, clothe ourselves with a commitment to say, okay, God, whatever happens... I'm here for you. And the glorious thing about God's grace is this. That invitation is to the good and the bad. We might say, God, I'm not very good at this faith thing. I'm not very good at this following, figuring out what you want thing. But if you're with me, I'm going to do it. And that's all that God asks in the invitation. When we respond faithfully to God, we become his servants. And as the church, we are the bridegroom called to love and serve our Christ. As the bridegroom, we are able to celebrate a hope for a new world, for our desire to be in heaven. As his servants, we become those who have to go out and invite anyone else to come and share in the celebration as well. And our celebration is unique because it can't be contained. It is such good news that God has loved each and every one of us exactly where we are and will be with us and guide us through wherever we need to get through. It's an all-encompassing celebration. And worship is only complete when it is shared with people who have never been invited before. Many are invited and few are chosen. In a moment, we are going to celebrate the goodness of God's grace. Indeed, his son who was sacrificed for us, uh, who uh, gave his life as a sacrifice, who became for us uh, our salvation. Everyone will be invited to this table to receive his grace. It's my hope and my prayer that we will choose indeed to receive his grace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for um, passage of scripture that shows us and reminds us that your grace it pours out into this world. That Heavenly Father, you have loved us and you have loved your creation and you have made it available to each and every one of us. And this passage of scripture that Jesus has shared has been shared to remind us to be surprised about where your grace goes. To have our eyes open to what you are doing and where you are moving. And Heavenly Father, to find ourselves ready to celebrate. Ready to be about what you want us to be about. To walk faithfully to allow you to cover us with your grace and your forgiveness and that we would wear that out in the open, that we would wear that proudly, that we would wear your grace, your forgiveness, 
presence of your Holy Spirit to guide us in a way that makes clear that we are your followers. We are faithful to you. Help us, Heavenly Father, to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God richly bless you as you serve him today.